something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John A. Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age, and I am your host, coming at you in the not-so-wee hours of the PM. Please check out AnomicAge.com if you've not already done so. Like all the likes and subscribe to all the subscriptions. If you are so inclined, PayPal.me forward slash AnomicAge, Patreon.com forward slash AnomicAge as well. At the bottom there, you can sign up for the free newsletter. Subscribe by email link. You can get the iPhone app, the Android app, so much more right there at anomicage.com. You also got the direct link there to Apple iTunes. Also, if you can do nothing more, if you can't become a patron, if you can't donate anything, you can definitely put some nice uh, comments, especially on the Apple platform. But on all the social media sites as well, you can find me all at anomicage.com. You can go to anything I'm still on, any platform that is. Put some nice uh, thumbs up, some kind comments, and so forth. It will disrupt the algorithm that is meant to destroy us. So, please do that if you can do no more. But enough of that. We have a great guest coming up today. None other than Mr. Zachary King is back with us today. After 26 years of involvement with the occult, Zachary has become a warrior for Jesus Christ and wants to share his knowledge for the protection of God's people. Zachary's testimony is an inspiration that proves how great God's mercy is and his forgiveness is real. Thank you so much, folks. You can see all that and so much more. AllSaintsMinistry.org. AllSaintsMinistry.org. That'll take you to Zachary King's page. You can support him there. You can find just about anything he's doing there. His books, his testimony, and so much more is available right there at AnomicAge.com. Thank you so much, Zach, for being with us today. I know it's been a couple years since you were on the program and just Lord, looking at the waterfront of things that are are with us presently and those things on the horizon, I thought you'd be the perfect person to speak with regarding the completely occult nature that our society has become. It's no longer just something uh, hidden, sort of sleight of hand, uh, sleight of hand behind the curtain. It's now just full bore in your face, no holds barred. The occult is here and it's everywhere. Thank you so much, Zach, for being with us. Well, there's so much to get into. I, I mean, I wanted to touch on how the occult has just permeated our society even more so than uh, it seems like a long time ago. But it's been quite a short span, only about three years since we last talked. And and we discussed a little bit about this Satan kind that, honestly, I wasn't even familiar with. And how that's just an, an, another shining example of, of just how prevalent the evil and the occult is in our society. You know, things that we might have talked about or seen and when we were kids or much younger i mean that's just commonplace now it's it's not just uh hidden behind the cloak anymore 
So I had this guy called me a couple of months after the talk, and he said, I was at your talk. Um, why did you mention uh, these satanic conventions? And I said, because it's something that I did. I'm something I'm aware of. And eventually, Satan's not going to be hiding. Eventually, he's not going to be behind every tree and under every rock. He's going to be in the commonplace, in the marketplace, shouting from the rooftops or with a bullhorn in his mouth saying, I'm here, I'm right here. You know, you guys have been following me for 5,000 years. Here I am. Now you don't have to look for me. You can just walk to the marketplace and here I'll be. And, you know, I said, eventually these um, conventions are going to be in the public square. We're all going to know about them. I said, if you prayed against them now, you could stop them from happening. And he's like, well, I think that you just said that to sensationalize your talk and to bring attention to you. And I said, well, there were 800 people there. I didn't have to sensationalize anything. You know, it's like people came there to hear my talk. They didn't know what I was going to say, but 800 people showed up. What am I sensationalizing there? You know, and he's like, well, I think you're lying about it. I don't think those conventions ever happen. I've never heard of one. And I said, did you get the part where I said these are top secret meetings that only Satanists know about them? That if you're not a Satanist, you're not going to be invited. It's kind of like, do you believe in Bohemian Grove? I mean, Bohemian Grove has been there for, I don't know, forever. And, you know, all those trees weren't just planted yesterday. You know, they've been around since the world has been here. And somebody bought it. The Bohemian Club bought it. They made this place, Bohemian Grove. So that's been there for like, what, I don't know, 200 years. And the Bohemian Club is there. And all these events happen there. The cremation of care happens there. But you're not invited. So do you not believe in it because you're not invited? You know. And he was like, oh, no, I've heard of Bohemian Grove. Like, okay, so you've heard of that, and you're not invited to that. You haven't heard of these satanic conventions, though, so you don't believe in that. Hmm. And he goes, I just think you're lying. I don't think this is really happening. And I said, but if you prayed against it now, and he's like, I'm not praying for something that's never going to happen. And I said, do you read the Bible? And he's like, yeah, I've read the Bible. I said, okay. In there, God says that there's no wasted prayer. I said, so even if you're praying against that, and that never comes to fruition, those prayers would go someplace else. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time. Okay, so that happened in 2012. Fast forward 10 years. So now it's last year. And this guy calls me. And he's in a panic. He's in, my mother would describe, he's in a tizzy. Mm-hmm. And he's in a tizzy over this satanic, this Satan con that's happening in Arizona in 2022. And he carries on about it for a little bit. I'm waiting for him to stop talking so I can talk. But then he says all of a sudden, what are we going to do? And I was like, I heard that. voice. Did you call me 10 years ago? He's like, um, Yeah. I said, did we talk about this same topic, satanic conventions? Yeah. I said, what did I say then? He's like, um, I don't remember. I said, I said that if you prayed against it now, that you could head it off at the pass and maybe we wouldn't have them in the future when Satan steps into the limelight and just has it in a public place. 
do you remember what you told me? He's like, no. I said, you called me a liar. You told me that you had never heard of satanic conventions. And since you had never heard of it, they weren't real. And that I said it to sensationalize my talk. You're that same guy, aren't you? He was like, uh, yeah. All right. Okay, well, now that this is happening, you want to know what we're going to do? I said, we're going to watch it happen. Because no one but me prayed against it for 10 years. The people that I told to pray against it decided it wasn't real and that it wasn't worth praying for, even though I said no prayers would be wasted. So here we are. Satan is unleashing with both barrels, and we're about to be hit. And you can pray against it now. Maybe if you started praying now, you could stop it, you know, in 20 years when it's so public the whole world is doing them. Maybe we could prevent that from happening. But I kind of doubt it, because once Satan's juggernaut is at the bottom of that hill, it's pretty much impossible to stop. You know, evil doesn't go away. It just gets bigger. And uh, so he just hung up kind of disgruntled and was like, this is my fault somehow. You know, I gave you the warning 10 years ago. You know, and so now, and last year, Lucian Greaves, the one of the co-founders of Satanic Temple said that they had 300,000 members worldwide. Wow. Now this year, this year the Satanic Temple did the SatanCon in Boston. So again, they're, they're not choosing little cities out in the middle of nowhere that no one's ever heard of. You know, so Boston, major city. And this year they said that the Satanic Temple has 700,000 members worldwide. They more than doubled in one year. Mm. I know when I've told people, and I've been telling people this since I started talking, that my second Satanic Covenant had 1.1 million members worldwide, and that there's over 10,000 covens in the world, around the world. And, you know, people are like, oh, there can't be that many covens. And 1.1 million members, I, be I don't believe that. Well, now you've got SatanCon last year publicly saying they had 300,000 members. And that's not that far away from 1.1 million. Now this year they've got 700,000 members. That's even closer to the 1.1 million. And you figure by next year they're going to top a million. And, oh, my gosh, heaven help us if they double their number again. You know, they'll be like one and a half million. You know, and, and people like to think, people like to stick their head in the sand and pretend all this isn't real. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of one of the biggest problems that I keep coming back to over and over again. And it's kind of the same thing as you said. I, I feel like we've we've kind of kicked the can down the road so often at, at this juncture, we're kind of at the watch it burn phase. We're at the, we're at the Nero fiddling <laughs> while Rome burns phase. I, right. I mean, I fear, I, I hope not. And, you know, we still pray otherwise but you know it, it definitely looks kind of bleak out there from time to time well i mean i came out with when i first started talking my first conference was in 2011 and in that conference i mentioned abortion was a satanic sacrifice then um and i kept saying that in almost all my talks or during the q a in 2015 december i put out an abortion set a two-city set 
on abortion as a satanic sacrifice. And I, the March for Life in January 2016, I gave away 900 copies. Mm. You know, and then I called the guy back that financed me for the thousand and said, you know, even if I sell the last hundred, I won't have enough money to get another thousand. So he gave me another donation and I got a bunch more copies and, you know, we've been selling those. And then so many people wanted the transcript. 2018, I put out the book. And it's just a direct transcript of what we said, but we added a few extra things. Like um, Einstein's definition of, an, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So that's how we fight abortion in this country. You know, abortion became legal in 1973. We thought that was unacceptable, so we sent... 200,000 people to march and wrote new laws and that didn't work. So the next year we did it again, that didn't work. The next year we did it again, that didn't work. The next year we did it again. And we finally got up to about 600,000 people. We had 600,000 people march in Washington every January and they write new laws and it still doesn't work. So we keep doing it. When Trump was president, we sent a million people to march. Now I tell people in my talks, if all eight billion if all eight billion people marched in Washington, the next day abortion would still be open and still be legal. Yeah. Marching doesn't yeah. do anything. I mean, you need to tell the world that it's unacceptable and that we won't stand for this, but it doesn't do anything. Marching doesn't work. We, it's never worked. There's no place that is shut down because of marching. And, you know, we, we keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I give in my book, I tell you that abortion is spiritual warfare. And I give you the steps it takes to shut down an abortion mill. And where people have used our methods, we've shut down that we know of 49 abortion mills around the world. But I couldn't get an imprimatur on my book because my bishop doesn't believe abortion is a satanic sacrifice. Now, having said that, um, I think in 2018, I spoke at a spiritual warfare conference in Toronto with Father Gary Thomas. He was the priest that they did the book and the movie about the right. And so we did this conference together, and LifeSite News covered it. And so it appears in LifeSite News for, I think, October 2018. And in there, I said that my... My local bishop was at the day that I was speaking in this spiritual warfare conference. My bishop was at the local abortion mill. He did a Eucharistic procession with an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and people praying the rosary. He did a mass and he did an exorcism. And these are three of the four steps that I say it takes. Prayer and fasting is the fourth step that it takes to shut down an abortion mill. And I also give examples in my book of where each one of these methods has shut down an abortion mill. So now he says he doesn't believe abortion is a satanic sacrifice, but yet he goes out and he does these steps. Now the satanic temple came out last year and said abortion is a satanic sacrifice. And that if you live in a state that does not allow abortion, you can go online, join the satanic temple online, become a member and they will send you prayers that you say before and after your abortion that make it a satanic ritual. 
Also, the Satanic Temple just opened their own abortion mill in New Mexico. So you can go there and have Satanic ritual abortions. Wow. Still being told that information, my bishop still will not give me an imprimatur because he still doesn't believe abortion is a satanic sacrifice, even though I've told him my book says it, my CD set says it, exorcists say it, and the satanic temple says it. So God and the devil are telling him, and he doesn't believe either one. Of course, what, what can I expect? He doesn't believe in the true presence either, because if he believed in the true presence, our churches would have been open during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not going to give me COVID. That's so true. And you mentioned something earlier on that I want to come back to is the, the notion of funding. I mean, if you look at all these, these Satan cons and all this other stuff, there's got to be some pretty big funders going, you know, who's pushing this stuff? I mean, you kind of mentioned, you know, a lot of the elites with stuff like Bohemian Grove. I mean, the stuff we know about where they'll have like these, thousand dollar a plate dinners and all these these celebrity things like that so i mean we know they got the money to do it and and like you said you know george carlin says it's a big club and we're not in the club and, and we're not I, I don't know that's kind of funny that people somehow don't believe this stuff's going on just because they don't see it i mean you know we're right. not invited to the celebrity galas either but it goes on so something's right. fun you in know, this there's a great line in, in a show that I was watching, I don't remember the name of the show, but he said, you know, I've never been to the moon, but I know it's there. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, how far in the sand is your head buried that you don't even watch CNN? I mean, Clinton News <laughs> Network, they will tell you about some of these events. I mean, I was telling people for years about SatanCon. And it's um, they didn't believe me until last year when suddenly Satan Con's happening, you know, and now it's this year in Boston. Uh, people didn't believe me about black masses and they happen publicly. They, they threatened to have one in like Yale or Harvard. And that didn't happen. But then they started having them in Oklahoma City at the Civic Center. And for ten dollars, you could go and it was sold out. You know, or San Francisco has had one for 23 years. Um, They had one in Arizona and they had one in Boston. And, you know, people are like not believing in black masses, but those happen. They don't believe abortion is a satanic sacrifice. But now the Satanists are admitting that and people still don't believe it. Um, You know, how much I told people for years that Satanists will steal Here's the thing that gets me. How come Satanists don't steal the Baptist Wonder Bread? Hmm. How come they don't steal any Protestant host when they do the remembrance ceremony every three months? Or the Jehovah's Witnesses, they do it once a year. They do it at Easter. The only people that are allowed to take from the host are the people that are know that they're guaranteed as one of the 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses that are going to heaven. How you know that, I don't know, when you're not dead yet. But you know they say that only the 144,000 are allowed to participate. And what would stop a Satanist from walking in there, grabbing their Saborum, and walking out the door with it? The only thing that they would be stopped for is the Saborum. 
No one cares about those little wafers that they have in their, their thing. Mm-hmm. Satanists don't try and get those. All, uh, all the, I'm sure that all the Baptist churches are on the same timetable. They all do it every 90 days, and they probably all do it on the same Sunday. So what's to stop the Satanists from raiding all the Baptist churches and stealing all their wafers, except that they're just wafers? Hmm. But they pay between 1500 and $15,000 for a consecrated host from the Catholic Church. Now, why would they do that if they didn't believe it was the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ? You know, it's like the people that believe that's the true body and blood of Christ are 15% of the Catholics, 100% of the Satanists, Satan himself, and God. Mm. And we've got 1.3 billion Catholics in the world, but only 15%, according to a Pew survey, believe that that's the body and blood of Christ. They only only 15% believe in the true presence. And it's like, well, why do the Satanists believe it? You know, they claim that they're atheists. They claim to be atheists, but they can tell if a host is consecrated or not. You know, I told somebody at a conference, I said, I got a great money-making idea for you. Why don't you go to a Catholic bookstore, buy a box of unconsecrated hosts, and get like 100 of them for 10 bucks, Probably not now that Biden's in president, but, you know, <laughs> before Biden was president, um, $10 for a box of unconsecrated hosts. But buy a nice saborum to put them in. A nice gold and red saborum would cost you about $325. Now, of course, this was the pre-Biden era. It's probably not $500. <laughs> but get a nice saborum, put 100 unconsecrated hosts in it, take it to the satanic temple and say, I know you guys pay up to $15,000 for one of these. Well, i tell you what I'll do for you right now. I'll sell you this entire Suborum with 100 hosts in it for $100,000. You'd save $1.5 million. As it, you'd make $100,000. It cost you $400 to get this. Less. What's to stop you from doing that? Well, because when they reached in there to touch the hose, they'd know they're not consecrated. Mm-hmm. And now you just went to a group of Satanists who are obviously willing to murder and willing to kill, and you lied to their face. What do you think is going to happen to you? <laughs> Man. And you mentioned that uh, about the uh, the priest i believe that you just mentioned you know saying about the i just call it the covid scam or the covid hoax or psyop 19 or what have you but i mean right. the, we saw during that i don't even there are countless churches i mean virtually all of them seemingly shut down did these these asinine abbreviated online and everything else in the world in between I always really have so much gratitude for those people that stood up and didn't follow that playbook. But I got to kind of look at uh, through the occult lens, kind of like you, and say, I think all this had so many different meanings to it. It was the psyop, but I think it was also sort of an occultic, uh, can we get them to shut this whole thing down? And vast majority said, sure, we'll shut it all down for you. 
What do you think? Well, I did a talk um, two years ago, I think, and I meant it was at a, a group of priests, and I said that I took it on the tongue even during the quarantine because Jesus wasn't going to give me COVID. Yeah. yeah. And I got a standing ovation from all the priests. You know, it, it drove me insane that during the lockdown, during the quarantine and the lockdown, the places that were open were supposed to be for emergency use only. So the emergency room is supposed to be open. And for the most part, the most emergency rooms were open. But you know who else was open? Abortion mills. That's not an emergency. You're murdering your baby. It's an emergency that you murder your baby. Then, by the way, let me say this on your show. Please. Um, please. Just in case you're not aware, having an abortion and not going to confession afterwards is a mortal sin and you're going to hell. The Bible says so. The Bible has a portion in it that tells it lists the people that don't go to heaven and the people that have abortions is in that list. Um, we can come back to that. But the other places that were open as the Catholic Church, we have the body, blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. The people that don't have that are the Protestants. But the Protestants had their doors open. So the Protestants had more faith than the Catholics. Of course, that makes sense to me because only 15% of the Catholics believe in the true presence. So the other 85% stayed at home, you know, not believing in the true presence and believing that the quarantine was real. You know, I mean, I don't know if you people are aware of this, but more people died of the vaccine than died of the, of the vaccine of the COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like in the first two weeks that people were taking the vaccine, something like 1,200 people died of the vaccine. And yet all these people are believing the hype. I, my, the hospital here made you wear a mask every time you walked in the door until the day that the article came out in the New York Times. You know, that was like oh, six months ago that said that they knew in the beginning that the mask didn't work. Mm -hmm. They knew that if you can breathe through the mask, it doesn't prevent a virus. If you can breathe through the mask, and it says right on the box, does not prevent COVID. Yet we're all made to wear the mask everywhere we go. And they knew in the beginning when they were telling us to wear masks that there was no reason to wear them, that they don't work. And then suddenly people were like, oh, you don't have to wear those now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. After we were made to wear it for two years. And I've said this from the get-go with the, with the COVID scam. But I think there's something very occultic to the whole thing where they did all this under the auspice of we're not going to do this at gunpoint. It's not like the Holocaust where you, you're at gunpoint at the edge of a pit and you got to, you know, die. They did all this. And I think, I, I mean, you, you know more than me, but correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like there's something to the occult angle of we got them to do it to themselves. We got them to inject their own kids. We got them to inject themselves. We got them to sit by while they murder the elderly. We pretty much got them to do it all. 
It, it was kind of just we well, the, the proverbial they sit back, relax, and watch the watch the slaves kill themselves and their children. Well, it's sort of like is it stronger? Does the magic work better if I steal the hair from your brush and use it in a magic spell, or is the magic spell stronger? if you give me the hair from your own brush, mm-hmm. well, it's 10 times more powerful if you give me the hair from your brush. So this was like a huge magic spell and we did it to ourselves. We put on the mask. We used the hand sanitizer 50 times a day. We gave the vaccine to our children. By the way, if you gave your child a vaccine, they are most likely sterile now. Your granddaughter is never going to give you children. You know, your your grandson, same thing, or your son is never going to give you children. You're not going to be a grandfather if you gave your child the vaccine. You know, I was on uh, a spiritual warfare conference last year on EWTN with um, Troy and Patrick Campbell. And I mentioned these things. And he said he had doctors in his audience that were shaking their head. Yes, that is correct. If a child, if you gave your child or your grandchild the vaccine, they're not going to be able to produce children, male or female. Mm -hmm. I also, I had told a story about Bill Gates. And he had me, Patrick Campbell stopped me during my talk. And he said, could you tell these people about Bill Gates? So I told him this story about Bill Gates. And then at a meeting that I was at and what happened. And then he said, now I know it's easy to hear this story now. You know, that that the pandemic has happened or the pandemic has happened. And we've all had the lockdown. We've all seen the vaccine is out and people are taking it. He said, but when Zachary King first told me this story, it was December 2017. It was before any of this had happened. And he told everybody, don't take the vaccine. The vaccine will kill you. The vaccine will sterilize your children. The vaccine is designed to kill more people than the disease will kill. Mm-hmm. He says he warned all of us against it. You know, he told us this whole story. Is half the people in the audience were there because they knew who Zachary King was. The other half were like, ah, you know, he's just making something up to sensationalize his story. Then he says COVID hit and a bunch of us were calling each other going, this is it. This is the thing he was talking about. Don't take the vaccine. And the vaccine came out and people that were there took the vaccine, even though I told them not to. And some of those people died. And, you know, he's like, we told people not to take it. And we told people, this is the thing. This is when it's happening. And, you know, he's like, people didn't listen. And, you know, now now we've got the results of what he said would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that there's a part of this. I mean, like I said, it's so multi-layered, but it seems to be a part of this is also sort of this blasphemous uh, element of COVID where 
you know, uh, we'll defy the creation mandate because, you know, you can't be fruitful and multiply if we've sterilized you but, or the, the parents did the sterilization. Right. You can't honor your father and mother if you sit back and let them get murdered in a in an old folks home because you can't go see them. You know, I mean, you can't even be with them when they're dying, for heaven's sake. I mean, I, I lost right. count of the number of funerals that weren't even held during the COVID right. uh, scam because... I guess family or funeral homes or churches wouldn't have the service. And then two years down the road, it's kind of like, oh, well, we it's too late to, to honor these people's lives with a, a proper service. So they're just just swept under the rug, I guess. I mean, it just seems to be so so multi-layered with this uh, operation. Also in the Catholic Church, we're supposed to be able to, if you're dying, you're allowed to get last rites, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, gets you, if you're, able to give confession then you know if you're uh, awake you know you're allowed to get you know your last confession get the eucharist you get some last minute you know prayers in there hopefully to get you into heaven and uh you know suddenly our people aren't allowed to do that and even um the the vaccine comes with uh, an aborted baby in it and that's even according to pfizer Pfizer says that on their website, that if you look up all their paperwork from their um, what, what's in what the research that went into doing the vaccine, uh, they admitted to aborted babies being in there. Well, will this end up being on YouTube? Um, no, because they kicked me off YouTube, but it'll be okay. on all the other platforms. <laughs> OK, because if it was on YouTube, this would be taken down because I said that. Yeah, I was having an interview um, within the last month. And it was a really good interview. And I mentioned this. It was just a one-line thing. And they sent him a letter that said that um, false information about vaccines is a reason to take down the the YouTube show. Yeah. Yeah, the recording. So, and yeah, I was YouTube like, you know, kicked you- me off a number of months ago for, for old shows. It was shows probably from, you know, the times we were doing them a few years back. And they just sort of, oh, we found this needle in the haystack where you said the wrong word or something, so they, they said it was false information and the usual suspect mess. Yeah. I told the guy that interviewed me, I said, you should look up the Pfizer information and send it to them. Say that you're spreading the truth about Pfizer. And this is what they say on their own website. Here, you can read it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then petition to have your show put back on the air. Yeah, I mean, I still find that surprising, the number of Christians that take these various vaccines when it's kind of, I, I assume, common knowledge that there's aborted fetal cells in all of them. I mean, I, I can't think of an right. exception then, to one that I've researched. It just blows me away. And then there's people that say, well, you're allowed to do it because the fetal cells are like a clone of the first baby. They're not still using the first baby. As like, I'm sure that the Catholic Church still sees that as a sin. Yeah, you know, you can't yeah. use an aborted baby regardless of whether you're using the first one or a clone of the first one. It's still a sin to use it. You know, but then our Pope does it. He takes the vaccine. Like, I want a Pope that believes in the true presence. But it's apparent that we don't have one. Yeah, you know, because yeah. if we had one, he wouldn't have shut down all the Catholic churches around the world. But as well, most of our bishops don't believe in the true presence. 
most of the cardinals don't you know as 15% of all catholics that includes bishops you know we have what like 235 dioceses which means we must have 235 bishops 15% of them believe in the true presence what's that 30 mm. less yeah yeah. What do you think the numbers are? I mean, there's no way of knowing that that is that uh, that true remnant that they talk about in the Bible that, you know, I sometimes wonder because you go to any church and I'm just sort of looking around going, I, I don't know how many people are, are that remnant and how many people are just kind of going through the motions at, at this point in the game. I mean, like I said, there's no way of knowing, but it sort of is a bit scary sometimes. Yeah, I tell people that, you know, there's the three greatest gifts that Jesus gave us were his mother, confession, and the true presence. And there seems to be so many people at my talks that agree with what I say, yet 15% believe. You know, and really the way I feel is if you don't believe in the true presence, why are you Catholic? That's what sets us apart from the Protestants. We have the true presence and they don't. Well, if you don't believe in the true presence, why don't you join one of the 66,000 Protestant denominations that don't believe? I'd be fine with my church being a lot smaller. I'd be fine with seeing, oh, these are the real Catholics. Hmm. You know, if, if they see the truth, they see the light, let's say Garabandal is true and the warning actually happens. And suddenly our numbers swell and 1.3 billion do believe in the true presence. That'd be awesome. You're welcome to come back. But why you got to be here? Why you got to water down our church and water down the faith of the good Catholics by telling the good Catholics you don't believe? Now, it's kind of hard if you've got 100 people and 15 of them are saying they believe in something and the other 85 don't believe it or vocal that they don't believe it kind of hard to maintain that 15. Hmm. You know, when, when you put a bad kid with a good kid, the good kid almost never brings him up to his level. The bad kid brings down the good kid. Yes. Yes. Suddenly you've got two bad kids smoking cigarettes instead of one. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of having two good kids going to church, now you've got two bad kids smoking cigarettes. You know, it never works the other way around. It never works. It right? never so happy to hear somebody else say this, because I've been saying the same thing for years, and and I've gotten so much pushback from people. Well, we want to try to help, and da 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 And I'm like, look, <laughs> if you have your good Christian child, and you put them with, just like you said, the, the kid smoking, or good grief, nowadays the kid doing God knows what. Right. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time that good kid's gonna end up doing bad stuff. It just it doesn't work the other way around. I've never seen it work the other way around. Right. It's like Satan knows what buttons to push and what levers to pull to make the good kid fall. And for whatever reason, we don't know the same formula to make the bad kid rise up. And so much of this is just the normalization of sin, the normalization of all the vices. We talked a little bit about this before we got started with uh, with the J.K. Rowling coming out and now admitting what I think most people, I say most people, and I hate to say that all the time because 
I mean, I feel like a lot of people are either missing this discernment that, that most of us seem to have, or I don't know what the deal is. But I mean, I look at that stuff 10 years ago and said, well, of course, they're normalizing witchcraft. Duh. Like, but right. now, like, you know, like we spoke earlier, J.K. Rowling is coming out and admitting it. And you got people going, hey, hey, we don't want this to get out. Shh. Stop it. Yeah, it's like she admitted that she wrote the books to increase the number of Wiccans there are in the world because it was a dying breed of witchcraft and she wanted to swell the ranks and she wanted to get young people involved. So she wrote the Harry Potter series to increase the number of youth that were joining the Wiccan movement. And she admitted to being a witch herself. And then in an interview in 2019, she admitted that Somebody asked her, wasn't it all satanic? And she said, yes. And she said her publicist or somebody was sitting beside her, shaking her head with her head in her hands, couldn't believe she was saying this in public like she wasn't supposed to. And she was tired of being asked the question so many times, she just admitted it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've got J.K. Rowling's admitting that her magic in her books are satanic, that Harry Potter is satanic. And that she's a billionaire because of this. And she increased the numbers of Wiccan children in the world. You know, and Wiccans that join are children that join the Wiccan movement. You know, and it's like my friend, Father Chris Crotty, had CDs on Harry Potter. And people at a con I spoke at a conference in 2011 and before I went there, they asked me if I would record a disc on Harry Potter. And I said, Father Chris is coming to the same conference. He's got a bunch of discs on that. And they said, no, we need it from you because you're the former Satanist. Father Chris is an exorcist. Hmm. I said, well, his, he should have more weight in what he says than what I say because he's an exorcist. You know, he has to exorcise people that are possessed because of Harry Potter. And um, they said they wanted me to do one. So I did a disc called would Harry Potter make a good Christian? I can cut to the chase and tell you no. But, you know, I, I quote from J.K. Rowling's herself, some of the, the actor and the actress that's in the movie, um, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, Father Gabriel Amorth. Um, I don't remember how long the disc was, but it's part of my paper sleeve series, so it's about to be... Um, gone i've got i don't i don't even think i have any left i think i've sold them all and we're not going to re-record them but you know it was uh i had sold a thousand of those i don't think i've even scratched the surface of changing the world's mind about harry potter people every time i speak out against harry potter at my talks and i don't do it as part of my normal talk it's usually during the q a I've had people get mad and get so mad they storm out of the room because I'm blind and I don't recognize that it's just a book. And the first lady that stood up and said, she screamed at me, it's just a book. I said, the Bible's just a book. The Koran's just a book. Hustler Magazine's just a book. Which one of those do you let your child read? Mm -hmm. You know, and she was like, well, the Holy Bible. I was like, but it's just a book. Why don't you let him read the Quran? It's just a book. What's wrong with Hustler Magazine? It's just a book. 
that's something I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed the same thing just over and over again. And it's always with the, the cult of celebrity or the music industry or, or you know, the ridiculous halftime shows and stuff that it's now just commonplace. But I've noticed that it's always the most satanic, in-your-face, blasphemous mess you could think of. And then if anyone raises a brow to it, then they fall back on the, oh, it's just a joke. Oh, we're just kind of poking some fun at the Christians. We're not really into this. We're just being humorous. Right. You're taking it the wrong way. You know, that's always sort of the, the fallback <laughs> with all this mess. It seems to be sort of their occult uh, angle. Well, also the occult angle is if you're being the Christian, then you're going somewhere and protesting it with a rosary in your hand and silent prayer. But if they want to protest you, they're going to come up and beat your ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, no, there's no subtlety on their side. You know, they're subtle as a chainsaw. You know, they're attacking you with a chair. You know, it, they're, um, it was like the two people about a month ago that were silently praying in front of an abortion mill and two people ran out of their cars and beat them up really bad. One guy, they broke his eye socket and broke his jaw. And another guy, I think they broke his ribs. They both had to go to the emergency room. Hmm. These are old men, old people. There's even been an old woman that was attacked and beaten into submission. And these are people protesting the abortion mill with a rosary in their hand and silent prayer, not hurting anybody, getting attacked by the obvious Satanists who are upset at what they're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or like the people that scream in your face, if you're at the church, you know, you're coming out of the church. You've just, you know, taken Jesus in your body and you're leaving. And the people will run up on the steps and slap you, uh, strip your clothes off or yell at you, punch you in the face, try and spray your face with mace or urine you know, and it, these articles get a, they appear in LifeSite News, but not on regular mainstream news. Odd. Mm -hmm. This is something I wanted to run by you because I've really been looking at, at the 1960s under a microscope lately. And I've, I mean, I, I should pull this timeline up, but just the, the timeline of all the deaths during that decade. And I've really been an, analyzing or trying to. Uh, the Vietnam War, and it seems like it's sort of cyclical, you know, from Spanish-American War, World War One, World War Two, Korea, and so forth. There seems to be these big punctuated death events, <laughs> and I can't help but draw that occultic conclusion. And then by the time we're almost out of Vietnam, now we're starting to murder babies on the on an epic scale, you know, every any street corner virtually. And I can't help but just look at all this through a very occultic lens and think, you know, where we are today in 2023 seems just so incomprehensible, probably, to, to where we were 20 years ago even. And I just wonder, you know, is all this death on this cyclical scale part of a bigger occultic ritual to sort of break down the barriers, to break down God's hedge of protection over us and just bring forth, you know, all the horrible stuff that we see out of the book of revelations. Cause I can't help but see a whole lot of that right about now. It seems like there's 
it's it's like a web. Everything is connected to everything. Yes. You know, yeah. the, it started off with TV being wholesome, but you know it wasn't going to stay that way. <laughs> it, it couldn't stay that way with everything else on the decline. You know, and then in the 70s, you know, TV was like getting more and more risque. You know, where that now we have, um, you know, nudity on some channels once in a while. And even though it's male nudity, it's, you know, it's their butt or something, but it's still male nudity. Mm-hmm. You know, which in the 50 years ago, you couldn't have had that. You know, um, you know, that there's blatant sorcery and occultism and Satanism happening almost out in the town square. You know, which, again, 50 years ago, couldn't have had that. You know, but uh, let me see. What, what, I, was, I was in an interview a few years ago, and I said, according to the, I think it was the American Psychiatric Association, they said approximately 50 years ago that homosexuality was a disorder and that you can't even think these thoughts or you're abnormal. But then... A couple of years after that, they said, well, you can't act on it, but if you think about it, it's okay. <laughs> then they said, well, you can't really act on it out in public, but if you want to go to a gay bar and just see what happens, you know, you need to wear a couple of disguises on your way, change cars, and go home the same way. Then they said, you know, marching in a pride parade, you might want to stay in your car when you do it, but it'd be okay. Then they said, be out and proud and do it, you know, just go as many as you want. And then they also said, go to the bars, be out, be, be proud, do whatever you want. Then they're like, wear rainbow flags and let everybody know you're gay. And then they said, oh, you know, um, Civil unions are now legal. Now, there's only one state you can do it in and one state that recognizes it. But why not? Go ahead and get your civil union. Then marriage was allowed in a state. And then marriage was allowed in three states. And now that it took 50 years, marriage is legal everywhere. You can't even go against somebody by saying gay against them. You're homophobic. Yep. It's not even a real yep. word, but we use it. But then a few years later, and this has been a few years ago now, guess what the American Psychiatric Association said? Pedophilia is a disorder. But if you think those thoughts, it's okay. Now, you know, last time it took 50 years. But now we've seen the speed bumps We've seen the green lights and the red lights and the stop signs. And we've seen the cops standing there with saying, no entrance, you have to go around. And we know what to do this time around. So pedophilia is not going to take 50 years. Also, the gay community used to be against pedophiles. But now in New York City... They have these five sets of rainbow flags that are on display. And on one of them, it says M-A-P-S, MAPS. Do you know what that is? 
That's the old minor attracted person, right? Yep. Minor attracted person. Mm. Now they say that the difference in a pedophile and a minor attracted person is that the map doesn't act on, he doesn't molest a child. <laughs> and a pedophile does. I'm thinking that's the difference in thinking it's okay. And doing it. Jeez. What, what's the next? There's got to be, there's almost no separation to me. You know, if you like a child, you're molesting that child in your mind. Mm -hmm. What's to stop you from really molesting that child? I don't think I've ever heard anybody lay it out that succinctly before, but you're so spot on because, you know, like you just said a few years back, oh, well, this is something that's, uh, in the DSM, it's in the psychological uh, diagnostic manual. This is this is bad, and now we've moved all the way up to that, and now they've just supplanted homosexuality with pedophilia. And I hate to say it, but I don't think we're five, ten years off of that just being the norm. Right. And it sounds so familiar to me because uh, I again use the cultic uh, references, the cult of academia. Did the same thing with the quote unquote satanic panic. Anytime you hear about the satanic panic of the, the late 70s and 80s now, it's all through that lens of academia, sort of uh, poo pooing the whole idea. Oh, it was a right. bunch of crazy Christians. There was nothing going on. You know, the, they'll bring up the McMartin preschool. Oh, that was debunked. And then the Finders papers that they just released about uh, five years ago, which I'll fully disclosure, I can't even read the, the Finders papers. They've been on my computer. I've read maybe a quarter of it and I have to put it down because it's so disturbing. And that's not even a drop in the bucket as to what is and was really going on. So, you know, it's like they, they do this linguistic warfare where they say, oh, the satanic panic, that's just a bunch of hogwash. Meanwhile, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein... Uh, the the Wiener laptop, all the stuff that we know is going on. I mean, come on. The um, do you believe that Epstein is dead? I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things. It it seems so fishy. I I don't know. And if he's dead, was he murdered? Oh, I'd say one hundred ten percent murdered. Yeah, I would think if he's dead, he was murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, but if he's not dead, I think he's whisked away somewhere revealing the truth of everybody that we know is guilty. And, of course, all those people want him dead. But I'm pretty sure he's dead. And he was doing a lot of the same. Again, I look at it as sort of the inversion of, you know, like the creation mandate. He was trying to to procreate his own little army of, of freaky Satanists because he was impregnating all these different women on these islands and in the, uh, his estate, I believe, in New Mexico. I could be off on that one, but all that just sort of gets lost in translation sometime. Like, did you guys miss this? He was, he was creating his own army of freaky Epstein Satanists. Come on. I told people about Epstein back in, I think, 2012. And the people I told had never heard of him. And I told it again around 2015. And still, the people that I was talking to hadn't heard anything about him. It's like no one knew who he was until around 2020. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
how do you not know? This is a big deal. This is a big story. I told people, um, and I don't know how many years ago this was, I had somebody talk to me about, I did a talk where I talked about human trafficking yeah. and about yeah. um, places where I had been when I was a child, when I was in child pornography and what the houses look like. And so this woman called me and she said, I was at your conference. Can you go in more into detail into what the yards look like or what the houses look like where you did the filming? I was like, sure. I said, all of them looked almost the same. Um, it would be faded paint on the wall outside. It's a single story structure as a flat roof. Um, and it would be like faded yellow, faded blue or faded white paint and um, water stains on the outside, like on the windows, you know, it looks just as bad inside and out in the yard is usually not grass. It's usually sand or dirt in the yard. It'll be fenced anywhere from like a four foot fence up to like a 12 foot fence. And there'll be toys in the yard that look like they've been out there in the rain for 20 years, but nobody's played with them. So like if you touch the ball, it would just flatten but nobody ever touches the ball and the ball is always in the same place in the yard. It doesn't roll anywhere. You know, there's an old dump truck out there in the yard, but it's all covered in rust. And so I mentioned this and that, you know, I said a van will pull up the front door or the side door will open up and the kids will run from inside the van into the house. So you barely get a glimpse of them or it goes the opposite way and all the children load into the van, the van drives away. I said, every once in a while, a child will get away and he'll walk out to the gate. But he doesn't know what to do when he gets there. And if you look in his eyes, they're dead inside. And so this woman told me she was calling from Toronto and that she thought that they had seen a house like that and they were going to go out and see if they could find it. And I said, don't act on this on your own. Because these people are armed. They're ready for something to happen. So she said, all right. And then fast forward six or eight months, and this article came out from Toronto where their version of the FBI raided a house in Toronto and rescued something like 265 children and arrested 295 pedophiles. And the numbers could be reversed. You know, it's been a while since I heard the story. But and that they arrested and there were Satanists involved. So they rescued a bunch of kids, arrested a bunch of pedophiles and Satanists were involved. Sounds like that should be a big story. The next day, you couldn't find it anywhere. No one had the story after that. It just completely disappeared. And that woman called me soon after that and said that was because of me because they were able to identify the building. It matched the same description as to what I had said. And she said that we gave your talk to this guy that was with the, um, the law enforcement. And, you know, we talked to him and we convinced him that's what's happening in that building. And him and his group went and raided the building. I don't know what proof they had to find to be able to do it, but they were able to find it. And they did it. It's like, now, the places that I went to, none of them were in Canada when I did that. 
all those places, most of them were in Florida. Really? So how come people haven't heard my talks in Florida and decided they were going to do that or in other parts of the United States? But some woman hears me do a talk up in Canada and it happens there. Unless law enforcement's involved and they know they can't raid these places because this is the reason they're getting paid. Now, you know, local law enforcement, if you're listening to this broadcast and you want to prove me wrong, raid some of those places. Let us find out about it. Well, that was kind of going to be my next question there. I don't even uh, how how much let me see if I can phrase this better. <laughs> Personally, I just have no faith in in the judiciary at all. I mean, like you mentioned with the Epstein thing, these people have so much money and have so many people blackmailed. I don't even know how the average person even knows these people are in jail or if they just took them out of a studio set and walked them out the back door. I don't know how we would know that because I feel like they've got so much connections to judiciary, the judges, the DAs. It's all a scam, really, to me, on that level. When you get that much, like Ghislaine Maxwell, I mean, supposedly she's in prison now. I don't know. Right. You and I are never going to figure out whether she's in prison or somewhere in Cancun right now. I don't know. Right. Well, even um, Epstein, the first time he was supposed to be sent to prison, what, the DA barely gave him a slap on the wrist? Mm-hmm. Like he was guilty of everything they were accusing him of, and nothing happened to him. Like he should have never had to have gone to prison the second time because he should have still been there. Yeah, yeah. He should have been locked away, but he wasn't. You know, apparently, he had enough money to buy off somebody because he did. Yeah, I mean. It just seems like the same old song, the same old song. What's your take on some of these older cases that are that are often mentioned, like the uh, the McMartin preschool thing, um, the Finders cases? I mean, we all know the the Boys Town thing. So there's so many of these that you know it's kind of like an extension of the Epstein case and the Ghislaine Maxwell stuff. Like all this stuff's been going on for who knows how long since uh, the dawn right. of time, I guess. I think the one that I keep falling back on is Johnny Gosh. You know, Johnny Gosh went missing, what, 30, 40 years ago? Yeah. That was back in the 80s. And I remember seeing his picture and thinking, yeah, he's being molested or trafficked somewhere. He just has the look that pedophiles like. And, um, you know, and then he's... On the one hand, never been seen since, and on the other hand, there's been Johnny Garth sightings all around the, all around the nation. You know, people see somebody that looks like that. There's even been an adult sighting of somebody that looked like him, but I think eventually that guy got a DNA test and it wasn't him. But and there's been people that claim they've seen him, people in cults that claim they've seen him. That you know they were in a cult and they saw Johnny Gosh. I have no idea if any of that's true or not, but it keeps all that alive. What do you think of the McMartin? I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know how much to believe of the the archaeology that was done. It definitely seems fishy. 
But then again, I don't know where the the adults now that were supposedly involved in all this, like I, I, I'm kind of expecting if it was legit or if it was fake, I would kind of expect more adults to come forward and say, yes, this was all hogwash or yes, this is what really happened. I mean, sort of comparing it to other cases, it seems like it's just as plausible. I, w- I wouldn't put anything past them at this point. Yeah. I, from the things that the children said, were the children led in their interviews yeah. or were they, yeah. did they just freely say this stuff? I think that makes all the difference. And then if they were led, then who did that? Whose idea was that? And, you know, yeah. on the one hand, it seems unplausible that this old grandmother type would, you know, would molest any children you know, or take them out and, put a, a little girl on an altar and have somebody have sex with her. But then I've heard other interviews, not of the McMartin preschool, but of other events where like this little girl, my wife had me listen to something recently where this little girl was molested from a really young age up to being a teenager by her family and by her family members. And, you know, and they were leading everything. Honey, do you remember that story? That's funny. It was the one about the, the little girl that was, she was molested as a small girl. And by, but it's like by her mom and by her aunt or her grandmother. And it might have been Canadian or English. It's a foreign country, but I don't remember oh, which. Um, the girl that was using a ritual? Yes. Uh, England. It was in England. Okay, in England. Australia, Australia. 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 Okay. Hmm. And that was her mom. No, it was her grandmother. Okay, so her grandmother got her into a ritual from the age of two. Hmm. You know, when you, when you hear things like that, then the McMartin thing doesn't seem so far-fetched. Yeah, that's so yeah, true. That's true. And just to underscore this, I mean, this is a global thing. This isn't just domestic, folks. Like Australia, Europe, Africa, Asia, it's worldwide. This is a, a real issue here. Well, I mean, did you watch The Sound of Freedom? I have not seen that yet. It's on my things to do list, though. Hurry before it leaves. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed, yeah. Like the, it's supposed to be like the number one movie right now. Mm-hmm. Um. I heard recently that it's made like $400 million. So that's a pretty good, a pretty good movie. Now that's beating Indiana Jones and they could have had it out first. It was owned by Disney. They could have put the movie out and they decided it was never going to come out. And then a Christian group bought it and put it out themselves. But, you know, I mean, that shows the, the globalization of human trafficking, you know, and it's the number one uh, illegal trade right now because a bag of cocaine, you can buy it and snort it once, Mm -hmm. but a small child, you can buy 10 times a day for 10 years. Mm. You know, the, the hashtag line of that movie is awesome. God's children are not for sale. That's so true. That's so true. 
Well, Zachary, I know we're kind of running on time here, but just to help any parents or any children that might be in this situation, do you have any advice for those people to sort of protect them from this sort of occult stuff that we know is going on, whether or not people want to admit this is going on? And, you know, I'm sure you can speak to this better than me, but this is going on in a small town America. This is going on in the big cities. So there's not sort of this, well, we can run off to the to Mayberry and sort of escape this anymore. I think it's everywhere. Um, I think a few things you need to consider. One is that no prayer is wasted. No matter what you're praying for, if what you're praying for isn't exactly what's happening, God will direct your prayer where it's needed. And something else that people need to remember is that you cannot sell what you do not own. So if you think you've sold your soul to the devil, you haven't. You've given your will to the devil. All you need to do to give your will back to God is to go to confession. You know, go to confession. Your will goes back to God. You might need a deliverance and you might need an exorcism. But the first step is going to confession. You know, let's uh, let's get that taken care of first. Um, you know, as I said, you can't sell what you don't own. If you're in a situation where you're being abused, tell someone. Don't be shy. Somebody will listen to you. You might have to tell 10 people before someone listens, but keep telling. You know, the, the world wants to know. This is the hot topic right now. You know, so. I know. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's you know, this movie is out. There's been a couple of good um, movies out this year. Did you see Nefarious? I did. That was an amazing movie. I, I did a show about that uh, about a month ago, I think. Yeah, it was. I couldn't believe. I, I'm sort of just shocked that these movies are getting out to the to the mainstream audience and they're not just sort of like the right. underground kind of Christian market. But I loved Nefarious. I thought that was so, so spot did on. You, did you notice? I only saw one thing that was inaccurate in it. But before I get to that, did you notice when the priest walked in the room that the demon's horns stood up? I did not. I didn't notice that. I'm going to have to check that out again. That's. I happen to be staring right at the, you know, because I'm blind in my right eye. My left eye, I have very minimal vision. I was staring right at the actor's face when that happened. And I saw these two points come up, and I was like, whoa. And so I asked a couple of people about it afterwards, and they said they didn't see it. But then I was watching um, Michael Voris interview the, the director, and he mentioned it, that he saw it happen. And um, and they said, yeah, they thought that was a nice touch that, you know, when, when he first saw the priest and he thought that might be a danger, his horns showed, his showed up. But then when he saw that the priest was pretty worthless you know, and didn't believe in any of this stuff, then they relaxed again and he was all jovial with the priest. Yeah, I didn't see that, but I got to check that out again. I'm going to try to watch that again. Yeah, I thought it was so spot on also, just kind of like we talked about before, the very, very kind of milk toast, just uh, priest of the world, just going, oh, yeah, we don't really believe in that anymore. That's just a bunch of, that's old school, old world stuff, you know. <laughs> I told friends, I recommended it to friends, and I said, when you go, you can recognize the good Catholics versus the bad Catholics because there's a scene where the psychiatrist talks about how awesome we are now, how woke we are, 
and how that anybody can love anybody. And uh, you have to say just the right thing or you could be in trouble for, you know, a de- breaking a decency law, basically. And, you know, at the end of that, the demon says, I love you. And the good Catholics in the room laugh. And the bad Catholics were like, why are they laughing? <laughs> so the, the one thing that I saw that was inaccurate is that the demon said they can only be in one place at a time. Hmm. Demons can bilocate and they can be in two exorcisms at the same time in two different states. And it's not because they're moving so fast back and forth. It's because they can bilocate and be in both at the same time. Hmm. But that's the only inaccuracy in the entire movie. Man, I didn't know that. That's wild. And I've just gotten that because I work with a lot of exorcists. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And obviously, if there are people that can bilocate, surely demons and angels can do that. Yeah, that stands to reason. Well, we got to do this again, Zachary. Definitely before uh, before it's been a year for, yeah. for Pete's X Men. I want to talk more about that. You know what we are sort of getting into at the end of this one on the the exorcisms and on this this possession angle for sure. But we got to do that again soon. All right. Well, you just have to make an appointment with me, and <laughs> that you know, sounds wonderful. Where's the best place people can uh, support your work and find you, sir? AllSaintsMinistry.org. We're having a fundraiser currently, and um, you know my phone number is there. I have a contacts page, so I have my phone number is there if you need help with spiritual warfare or pro-life or um, just have a question for me or about something I've said on here. And also my email address is on there. And you've got to have patience because I have somebody that helps me, but you know I, I do work. Um, about five days a week and I do interviews three days a week. And also if somebody wants to interview me, I, I do interviews Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Definitely. But, you know, I also do phone calls on those days. So there are some days where I'm booked some weeks sometimes where I'm booked weeks out in advance. And then I also still tour and do talks. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for the time. If you'll stick around for about 30 seconds, I'll wrap things up and say goodbye to you off the air here. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, folks, if you missed any of that, as I always say, please check out anomicase.com. You can see our first interview from a couple years back, and, and sadly, so much of that definitely has come to pass. So, as I always say, you can't do everything, but you can do something. Please try to get out there and do your part. I'll be seeing you sooner than later. In the anomic age. Thank you for listening to the anomic age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A N O M I C A G E.com. Till next time, thank you for listening to the anomic age. I'm <laughs> sorry.